One text tonight, Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 25. Paul's writing and he's using Epaphroditus as an example. And he says, yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed, in verse number 26, for he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. Our fathers, we bow before you tonight. We love you and we thank you for the wonderful salvation you provided for us. Thank you for eternal life, the blessings and benefit of salvation and of the Lord. Thank you tonight for our church. I pray your blessings upon this meeting. Thank you for the wonderful choir and the singing tonight, the specials. Lord, I would ask you that you'll bless our pastor tonight and power him in the pulpit as he stands. I know with the time difference, it'll yet be a moment before he stands to preach. And I pray, God, as he stands, that you'll fill him afresh and anew with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, may you help him tonight as he preaches, and may you convict in the hearts of the hearers. God, may you do a great work there in Mississippi. Have you will and we in our lives tonight? Bless, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Here in this passage of Scripture, we find that Paul references Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus was a member of the local church at Philippi. And he was not just a member, he was a faithful member, and he was a faithful friend and soldier of the Apostle Paul and his ministry. We find that the church had taken up resources and offering, and they had sent it to the Apostle Paul at the hands of Epaphroditus. We find that as a result of this, the church had great confidence in Epaphroditus to send the offering uh, to the Apostle Paul by his hands, and they knew that Epaphroditus could be trusted with part of the ministry that God had given to them in helping the Apostle Paul. He took his journey to Rome, and there he assisted Paul in his ministry. In fact, we find that as he made connection with Paul, he became a close assistant and commandant in the ministry, and he was an encouragement to the Apostle Paul. His name is only found two times in the pages of God's eternal word. Once is in the passage in which we've read tonight in the book of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 25, and then again in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 18, which we'll examine here in just a moment. Notice in this passage of scripture, he says, but I have all and abound, this is Paul speaking to the Philippians, I am full having received, watch this, of Epaphroditus, the things which were sent from you and odor a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. And so we find that Epaphroditus was a good church member at the church at Philippi. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 9 that we are laborers together with God. And we find that Epaphroditus was a laborer for God, with God. He was a laborer for and with the church, but he was also a laborer for and with the Apostle Paul, the missionary or the evangelist. Now I want to share with you tonight three things on Epaphroditus that I hope will be of help to us in our Christian life today. Notice, if you would, in verse number 25, that as we consider this passage of Scripture once again, Paul says this concerning Epaphroditus, yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, and watch this, companion in labor. Notice that phrase, companion, and he says also that he was a fellow soldier. The word companion in this passage of Scripture implies that Epaphroditus had become a friend to the Apostle Paul. 
And may I say to you tonight that all of us need a friend in the ministry. We need a friend that will help us and lead us and guide us and encourage us in tough times. In fact, the Bible has much to say about friends. And so tonight I would like to examine some of those. And then I would like to examine tonight, secondly, the relationship that Epaphroditus had with his church at Philippi. Notice the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, chapter number 18 and verse number 24, the Bible said that a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Everyone needs a friend and an encourager. I don't say this braggingly tonight or boasting, but I'm grateful that I have friends in most every state in the United States of America. God has allowed us to establish friendships in Europe, Asia, and Africa, and the various nations and continents around the globe. And I believe I have people that I could pick up the phone and call if I was in dire straits or I needed encouragement or something in my life and I felt that a friend could help meet that need. We have friends all over the world that I believe we could call on. But my friend, I say to you tonight, there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And I thank God for all of my friends, but I thank God I've got one friend who's seated at the right hand of God and his name is Jesus tonight and he is a friend and he is an encourager and he is there in a time of need in my life. Everyone needs a friend tonight. We need a friend earthly to help us and to lead us along life's journey, but every friend needs a heavenly friend and that is the Lord Jesus himself. And then we find in Mark's gospel, chapter number five and verse number 19, we find that some uh, can share the blessings of God with their friends. In Mark 5, 19, the demonic of Gadara, after he met the Lord Jesus, Jesus sent him back uh, to his own people. In verse number 19, notice what Jesus said. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home, watch this to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. You know, I am grateful that God blesses my friends. I know some that seem to get jealous when someone else is blessed of God more than they are, but I'm glad that God blesses my friends. And I'm excited when a missionary gets support of a church maybe that I've been to and they don't support us. I'm excited when a missionary gets a good love offering from a church. I'm excited when a, a pastor can report that the Spirit of God moved in the services on a Sunday morning and a Sunday night and a Wednesday night and a revival night. And I'm glad when a choir singer can stand, a director, and say, God met with us in the choir. And I'm glad we've got a friend that can encourage us in the Lord. And I'm glad we can be a blessing to our friends and our blessings uh, can be also shared uh, from our friends with us. I'm glad that we have a friend in the Lord. Also, we find in John 15 and 13, a good friend, now listen to me, a good friend will not stab you in the back. A good friend will be willing to lay down his life for you and I. The Bible says in John 15 and 13, greater love had no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friend. Now I've had some friends over the years before I got saved and gave my life to the Lord and uh, the law caught up with me and sitting in that cell block, uh, my friends disappeared. You know what I found out after I got saved and gave my life to the Lord? They really were not my friends. I just heard today of a friend, of a, a man's closest friend in a church 
turned around and uh, figuratively speaking, stabbed him in the back and made some false accusations and uh, got involved in some things that was not right. My friend, I say to you, a good friend's willing to give his life for you. I've shared this with you in uh, times past, but I remember some years ago, and I'll not go through all the story, we were up in uh, the state of um, Michigan, and um, all of a sudden we got a phone call. My sister had been life flighted to the University of Tennessee over uh, there in Knoxville. Long story short, we uh, got into the hospital, and my sister had passed away, and come to find out that she had been to the river. They were swimming with her kids and her uh, stepsister, I guess it would be, or sister-in-law. And uh, the little Katie, the seven-year-old uh, girl, was out swimming. And as she began to drown, my sister jumped in to save her. And long story short, uh, she drowned trying to save little Katie. Little Katie uh, made it in. The girl couldn't swim. My sister would swim, push her a little while. She probably didn't weigh my sister 100 pounds soaking wet. And she'd push little Katie in uh, to shore, then swim, catch up to her, push her into shore. And on about the third try, she pushed little Katie into the arms of her mother and the undertow took her out into the river and she drowned. Autopsy revealed she actually had a massive heart attack and that's what caused the undertow to overtake her body. But when I preached her funeral, I took my text from John 15, 13, greater love have no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. And my sister died a hero's death. And I'll not get into her life. It was not, uh, she was not doing well at the time of her death. But she died a hero's death. And I told everyone in that funeral, and it was packed from side to side and front to back. I said, I thank God for my sister. She was saved at a, a youth camp. My brother was also saved at a youth camp. I would preach his funeral a little over a year later. And I stood and preached. I said, my sister died a hero's death, but she gave her life for one, a seven-year-old girl by the name of Katie. But I've got a friend who gave his life for whosoever will. And Christ died for all, once for all. He died on Calvary. And I thank God tonight that he gave himself for me. And a true friend would be willing to go with you all the way through thick and thin and be willing, if need be, to die for you. Well, I wasn't going to mention this tonight, but I might as well. I think I got enough time. As we thought about uh, friends of ours down in Florida, I know uh, two preacher friends. They got in an argument with each other, and they were distant from each other. They quit talking for quite some time, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit of God broke both of them at the same time. And uh, they went to see each other. They met on neutral territory, and one said to the other, Brother, I am sorry. I apologize. I was wrong. I was a backslid. My spirit and attitude was not right. And I want you to forgive me. The other brother looked at him and he said, No. He said, You weren't in the wrong. I was in the wrong. And I was the one that was backslid. And I was the one that didn't do right. And I was the one that spoke out of turn. And then they got in a fight over who was wrong. <laughs> I thought, Leave it up to two preachers. Uh, to get in a fight over who's going to be accept the blame for the fault. Uh, a friend will be willing to give himself for his friend. A friend is for tough times. Proverbs 17, 17. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Aren't you glad brothers and friends, a brother can be closer than a brother, and they're there through 
adversity. A true friend is honest when you're wrong. Now that's a hard one to swallow sometimes. Now don't worry, I'm not to the crutch of my message yet tonight. I'm just giving some introductory thoughts. But I'm talking about friendship. Uh, we find that Epaphroditus was a companion. He was a friend to the Apostle Paul. And a friend will be honest with you at all times, even when you're wrong. Remember, Paul had to stand up and rebuke Peter openly. Have you ever been rebuked by a friend? I have. It don't feel too well. I tell our executive staff and our field staff at the Rock of Ages Ministries, if I wanted yes man, I wouldn't have put you on staff. And it's hard sometimes when you got a few men. Now, they're very respectful, but I told them. I, sometimes they've kind of him hauled around and it's kind of, yeah, okay, well. And I've said, you don't agree with me, do you? Well, I, yeah, you don't agree. That's fine. I want, that's what I want. It's tough, but sometimes we need someone to look at us and say, you're not doing right. Now, we say amen, but what about when they tell us we're not doing right? The Bible tells us concerning this matter in the book of Proverbs 30, or 27, 5 and 6, open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Wouldn't you rather somebody just be honest and truthful with you and tell you straight up? I learned that the hard way in the prison. I used to have to deliver death messages and uh, it's a very volatile time with the prisoners. I've called them in and had them react in just about every fashion you could think of. I've had them bust holes in the walls in my office. I've had them get mad and turn my bookshelves over. I've had them get mad and throw my books on the floor. I've had them get mad, not like they were going to beat me up and point, uh, corner me against the, the wall. I had, them, uh, I had one man I called in. His name was Harley, and I told him, I said, Harley, I'm sorry to inform you, but uh, this morning they contacted us. I've called. I've verified it with the funeral home. And uh, so I have all the facts here for you, but your son was found dead. He overdosed on drugs. He got up and cursed and swore the day that his son was born and said, I hope that he dies and goes to hell. I said, Arlie, you don't, believe, you don't believe that. You don't really mean that. He said, yes, I do. And he walked out of my office, stormed out after he destroyed everything. And I learned just in dealing with prisoners, it's best to just shoot straight. Be kind, but shoot straight. Be sure it's our position that offends and not our disposition. And so we find that open rebuke is better than secret love. And then, and I've only got a couple here, uh, God considers friendships. Isn't it something that God considers? James 4, 4, whosoever therefore be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Isn't that something that God considers friendships? I wonder what he thinks about yours and mine. You young people that are sitting here tonight, and I know it's not a youth meeting, but I would like to address you with this statement. Be careful who your friends are. They will make you or break you. You see, the Bible tells us that Abraham was a friend of God. In 2 Chronicles 20 and verse number 7, the Bible said, Art not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gave us it to the seed of Abraham? Watch this, thy friend forever. Wouldn't it be something to have a title put on you like that from God? That you're my friend. Friends can have a negative influence. Let me give this and I'll move on. 
Second Samuel chapter 13, verse number three, but Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab and he goes on and he was a very subtle man. You see, Amnon's friend got him in trouble. Brought the judgment of God on him. Be careful who you run with. Be careful who you hang with. Be careful who you friend with. Epaphroditus was a friend to the Apostle Paul, the preacher. Now notice with me in verse number 25, also if you would please, in our text. Notice the second thing about Epaphroditus. The Bible says, yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but watch this, your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and, with, and was full of heaviness because that he had heard or because he had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick nigh unto death, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. And so we find here that Epaphroditus was a member in good standing and is a good representative of his church in Philippi. I ask us tonight, are we a good representative of Bible Baptist Church? So I ask you this question tonight. Are we a good representative of Bible Baptist Church? So I ask us again tonight, are we a good representative of Bible Baptist Church? You say, but preacher, I thought we were supposed to be good representatives of the Lord. We are. And to be a good representative of the Lord, we have to be a good representative of our home church. You see, uh, Paul in verse number 26, and notice what he said, he, he made a good representation because the Bible said uh, that in verse number 26, for he longed after you and was full of heaviness because he had heard that he had been sick. And notice, if you would, his heart was in it. When he found out that the church at Philippi knew that he was sick, and they were concerned that he was going to die. Epaphroditus was affected by that because he loved his church. He was concerned about those that he sat by in the pew. He was concerned about those that were concerned about him, and his heart became heavy as a result of it. The word longed for in this text, it means earnestly desire. It means to intensely crave or care for something. And what it literally is saying is that Epaphroditus so loved his church that when he heard that they were overwhelmed and thought that he was going to die on the mission field, he longed for them. He earnestly desired to be back, to report to them and say, look, folks, I'm okay. Thank you for praying for us. Heaviness there means to be in distress. We literally see in this text that Epaphroditus absolutely loved his church with all of his heart. He put everything into his church. He loved them so much and was such a good representative the church put a substantial amount of trust in him and sending him off with a substantial offering to Rome to meet with the Apostle Paul in his missionary journey. And through this verse, it is made obvious the love and devotion he had for his local church. Let me ask you tonight just a few brief questions. Do you love your church? Do you love your pastor? Do you love attending our church? Do you pray for our church? Do you pray for our pastor? Do you pray for our finances? 
So I'll preach up folks who love the church, pray for the church. There's an old saying that I heard, and it's an old cliche, and I don't mean to be redundant tonight. I'm sure most have heard it, but I wrote it down as a reminder. I read a quote some many years ago as a young preacher that said, if every church member was just like me, what would our little church be? What would it be tonight? I remember many years ago, Dr. Bob Gray from Jacksonville, Trinity Baptist Church at the time, it's been many years ago, was preaching in a meeting and he told a story. He was going down the road and um, looked over as he passed by a bar and there was a car parked right out on the highway. It was packed and he looked over and lo and behold, on a car bumper parked in front of a bar was a bumper sticker with Trinity Baptist Church on it. Dr. Gray got down the road a little bit and he got a little bit heated over it. He thought, that's a disgrace. They've got our church on a car bumper and they're parked in front of a bar that is packed. And better yet, he thought, if I saw it going down the road, only God knows who else saw it. He slammed his brakes on, made a U-turn, went back, pulled into the bar against his conviction walked over with his knife and scraped off the bumper sticker and got back in his car and headed down the road and dusted his hands. You know, there's some things we need to plant in a garden as a Christian. I ran across this some time ago and I thought I'll use it someday and I believe I'm gonna use it tonight. The little saying said, there's some things we need to plant in our gardens. One, we need to be sure that we plant some squash. Number one, it said we need to squash gossip. Number two, said we need to squash criticism. And number three, said we need to squash indifference. And number four, we need to squash prejudice. And I say amen. I think we need some squash in our gardens. And then it went on to say that every garden of a Christian ought to have not only some squash, but it also ought to have some peas in it. And those peas would consist of the following, prayer, promptness, perseverance, politeness, preparedness, purity, and patience. And I say amen. I believe we need to plant some peas in our Christian gardens. And then it went on to say we need to plant some lettuce. Let us be unselfish. Let us be loyal. Let us be faithful to our duty. Let us search the scriptures. Let us be, weary, not, be not weary in well-doing. Let us be obedient in all things. Let us be truthful. Let us love one another and let us not complain about one another. Say amen, husbands. If you don't, the wives will. And I think we need some squash and we need some peas and I think we need some lettuce. But wait a minute. They said everybody needs some turnips. What do we need? We need to turn up for church. Turn up for special meetings. Turn up for prayer and Bible study with a smile even when things are difficult. And we need to turn up and determine to do our best and give God our best in our lives and honor him with our life. And I say, man, we need some gardens in our Christian life. And then we find in 225 for my last thought tonight, notice with you, if you would, please, he says, and I'll read it again. 
In verse number 25, yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger and he that ministered to my wants. Notice, if you would please, and I briefly touched base on this the last time I preached on Epaphroditus. Notice he was a fellow soldier to the Apostle Paul. He was in the trenches fighting the spiritual warfare and the battles with the Apostle Paul. He was there to hold his hand. He was there to lift up him, uh, Paul, in prayer. He was a representative of the church. He loved his church. They loved him, and they were concerned about him when they heard that he was nigh unto death. And Paul was getting ready to send him home. And by the good grace of God, they were able to get the good news. And now he stays with the Apostle Paul. He's a fellow soldier. He has put on the armor of Christ. He has put his hand to the plow and he is not willing to look back. He's willing to go forward. And as my grandpa used to say, and I vaguely remembered as a young man, and I asked him why he put those blinders on the old mule and why he kept him going, he said, that's so he'll hold a straight roll. Epaphroditus was a fellow soldier. Now I want to say some things here tonight and I, I hope you'll take it in the right spirit which I'm trying to share tonight. Everybody gets discouraged along life's journey. We all have hard knocks and bumps in the roads and speed bumps and we all have ditches we have to avoid. As one preacher said some time ago, on both sides of the road are ditches. But you know everybody needs to be encouraged along the way. Let me ask you something tonight. I'm just asking. How long has it been since you wrote somebody a note and just said, I just want you to know I appreciate you? How long has it been since you maybe put a note on the pulpit, a good note, and said, Pastor, I just want you to know I love you and I'm praying for you. How long has it been since you went to... and? I'm not trying to embarrass anyone tonight, and I haven't been paid for this. How long has it been since you went to Brother Brian? So, Brother Brian, I sure appreciate you teaching our kids. What a blessing. How long has it been since you thank somebody for singing in the choir, for playing the instruments, the piano, for playing the guitar and the bass and all the rest of it? And somebody that sang is special and how long has it been since we just said maybe to our spouse and our children, you know, I love you and I appreciate you and I thank God for you. Encourage them in the Lord. Be a fellow laborer and a fellow soldier. You see, the Bible says very clearly in our text, which I'll not take time to read it all. We've read it earlier. He hazarded his life for the gospel's sake. We just came back from the country of Brazil and um, we were not able to go in the prisons. Last year they sent us into the prisons with a mafia leader. And it's because they had had some riots and they put us in a super maximum security. 
said the mafia leader inside the prison will take you through and uh, they won't touch you. Well, we followed the mafia leader. We went in some places. We didn't know if he was taking us for uh, himself to be able to rob us or other means. But we got out of the yard and we began to preach and about a half a dozen, a dozen prisoners started walking in circles around us. And after a while, it kept growing and growing and growing until there's about 60 of them walking around. They're beginning to squeeze in. And you know it's getting bad when the mafia leader says, I think I need to get out of here. I said, uh, how about taking us with you? Yeah. <laughs> and this year, right before we got there, they killed 51, 52 prisoners in the north central part, decapitated them. And so this year, we just didn't bother trying to go in. Say amen right there. Amen. I was trying to be a friend to the rest of our missionaries and myself. And so we ended up teaching our missionaries starting at 9 o'clock in the morning and going through to about 4 to 4.30 every day, preaching in the churches, and God blessed. And, and uh, we have had more encouraging words come back from uh, the country of Brazil, from the pastors and the missionaries, and we're trying to help them in various places around the world. And just yesterday, I got a, a, a letter from a prisoner that I'd led to the Lord uh, way back in uh, 1994 or 1995, and he just said, I thank God for the day we crossed paths and the Lord led you to be my chaplain and I was able to get right with God and I'm grateful for all the Lord's done. He said, you've been my help and my uh, sustainer through all of this time and I sat there at my office at my desk and I wept, you know why? Thank God for friends who will encourage you along the way. How long has it been since you encouraged somebody? He has it his life for the gospel's sake. He put his life on the line, his neck on the chopping block for the apostle Paul. He suffered and was nigh to death. He fought battles physically, putting himself in harm's way and fighting spiritual battles for the apostle Paul. I want you to know something tonight. You're valuable to the work of God. You're valuable to our pastor. You're valuable to this local church. Notice what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, verse number 29. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness and hold such a one in reputation because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life to supply your lack, watch this, to supply your lack of service toward me. And so here we find that Paul said you need to hold him in reputation. Such men and women are valuable. They're valuable to God. They're valuable to the pastor. They're valuable to the work of God. You see, when we love the church, we're loving what Christ loved. For the Bible says Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I wonder tonight, how do we compare to Epaphroditus? Let's pray. Fathers, we bow before you tonight. We love you and we thank you for the scriptures. Thank you for men like Epaphroditus who is willing to hazard his own life for the gospel's sake. I would ask you now that you may help us as we consider our friends and our partnership in the ministry and being an encourager. Lord, help us to be as valuable to our church and to our preacher and to our work that you've given us.
as Epaphroditus was to the church at Philippi and to the Apostle Paul. Thank you for friends. Lord, may we not find ourselves only on the receiving end. May we be on the giving end, sharing blessings and encouraging and lifting up and prodding and praying. Help us now, I pray tonight, if we ask it in Christ's name. Heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. Some have come to the altar. I wonder if you're here tonight and you need to come. And just say, Lord, help me to be an encourager tonight. And Lord, I want to say thank you for my friends tonight. Maybe we can ask the Lord to help you to just be a better church member, to be more faithful, to be an encourager, to be a lifter-upper, to go with someone through thick and thin, to show and express an appreciation. Young people, consider your friends. Be careful who you befriend and allow to befriend you. So when Brian comes and leads us in a song tonight, you need to come, why don't you come?